You're listening to the Comic Crusaders Podcast. I am your host, Al Mega, CEO of Comic Crusaders and Undercover Capes. In this show, I'm sitting down with creators from all walks of life to talk about inspiration, process, the lessons they've learned, and a whole lot more. Wepa! What up, everybody? It's your host, Al Mego, CEO of Comic Crusaders Undercover Caves. Welcome, welcome to a brand new Comic Crusaders podcast. Wait till you see today's guest. Oh, man, we up for a treat. But before we do that, let me introduce my co-pilot today. He's a fellow crusader. He himself is an independent award-winning uh, filmmaker, comic book creator, the one and only Mr. Lance Lucero. What's up, kiddo? How you doing? Hey, how are you? It's great to be here. How you Thank doing? You. I'm doing good, kiddo. Rocking out yet another podcast, and today is just another awesome day with another amazing in the uh, creator, also a fellow, you know, filmmaker. Folks, this person is a, uh, a film producer. He's a writer. He's a YouTube personality, occasional actor. This gentleman has been called the Quentin Tarantino of the digital generation. Yes, sir, and ladies. I mean, bootleg universe, all that good stuff. Who am I talking about? The one and only Addy. Shankar, hey, hey, hey how you doing? Uh, I'm doing great. That was, uh, I feel like uh, I was just, I, 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 you're a great hype man. What can I say? You're a great hype man. Like I, he's, I, he's I one of the best. Up. Like my level of being pumped up was here, and then all of a sudden I heard the introduction, and I was like, whoa, boom, here. And you know what? It wasn't the contents of what you said; it was how you said it. Oh, that's all it is. It's the energy you got. It's it's natural, Absolutely. man. I'm feeling it. I'm all about that natural energy because you got that natural energy. You bring that excitement and energy into every single one of your productions. But I mean, I've been a fan, like uh, in the bootleg universe, folks. If you guys have not seen the Punisher Dolly Laundry, you guys don't know what what y'all doing to yourself. You know, Venom Truth and journalism, Power Rangers. He's done a whole bunch of amazing little film projects, and he's also working on an awesome, you know. OG universe, it seems right now. I can't wait to get into that. But before we do that, Addy, just a little bit about yourself. Where are you from, brother? And what was your first taste of the fandom that got you hooked like a fish? So I'm not really from anywhere. Um, it's it's a complicated uh, answer. <laughs> I'll, I'll try to simplify it. I was born in India. I was born in Calcutta, uh, India. Um my family immediately moved to the south of India, which, which again, might as well be a different, completely different country. It's different language, different ecosystem, different, different values, different everything. They then moved to Mumbai, which is another part of India. Now it's the big city. Um, and from there, it was Hong Kong, uh, Singapore, back to Hong Kong. Uh, and by the way, uh, during my stint in Hong Kong, it went from being a British colony to... Uh, part of China, right? So I literally oh. saw a country being handed over from one empire to another. And wow. and during that transition, the country became completely different. I mean, it's it's not like, you know, every time, the passage of time changes any city and place and, and has ripple effects on any culture. But I mean, we're talking it going from um, a Western colony to assimilating into China, like that was a, a, a paradigm shift for for Hong Kong. Um, Crazy. And then, uh, you know, I went to school in Chicago, uh, college in Chicago. There was there was some time I spent in Rhode Island. Wait, so uh, when did you come? When did you and your family come over to the states? So my family did not come over to the states. I oh, okay. immigrated here myself when I was At what 16. age? 16? 16? Wow. Yeah, yeah. When I was 16, two weeks before 9-11, which was, which was, or uh, two, two days before 9-11. Sorry. Oh. And, uh, yeah, which was, which was interesting. Yeah. Wow. Insane. Holy crap. Yeah. Okay. So, you, so you, you head over here and you start, what was your first taste of fandom that, that made you get the, the creative bug, if you will? I mean, I guess the, 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 the simple answer is I saw a, uh, an image of uh, X-Men, the animated series. Uh, it was an episode where the mutants were held prisoner in Genosha. So they all had the, you know, the, the power dampening collars and Storm was claustrophobic. So she was put in a, in, a, in a box. It's a great question, by the way. Um, 
That's the simple answer. The more complicated answer was, um, you know, when you're moving between not just geographic locations, but you're moving between uh, ecosystems and cultures that are vastly different. You're looking as, as a kid, you haven't quite developed your personality, your identity, your sense of self, like who am I, where am I from, the, these, these, these concepts. So they're almost, they're, they're taken away from you. And the way I responded to that was latching on to fantastical characters, right? So the fandom we know of today that's, that's popular, that still existed in the 90s, things like uh, X-Men, I mean, all the Marvel stuff, all the DC stuff, Power Rangers, uh, all the gaming stuff. Yeah, sure, I was, I was into that. But if you go way, way, way back, like you're talking like early 90s when I was living in Hong Kong, um, there were like random things that I would, I would consume that was into, uh, you know, both on the Western side. Uh, I, I believe there was something called Monsters in My Pocket, uh, maybe I'm butchering that. There's monsters in my pocket where, where you had all these, uh, you know, like Wolfman, Dracula, the mummy. Uh, I remember really being into trolls. It was really anything, anything even remotely fantastical. Uh, I think there was a cartoon called Tiger Sharks. Sharks. Um, you know, we also oh, got. Yes. I yeah, remember that we also, one. <laughs> we, <laughs> we also got, uh, uh, content like TV shows and stuff like on delay, right? So it, because of, international distribution deal so so like i think the first thing i really like double triple down on once i left india was voltron because again it was oh. i mean voltron was from a different generation of course but but i was watching it as though i was part of voltron generation uh and then in india i mean the biggest thing when i was when i was there at least for me i don't know if this was everyone else's experience uh within the uh, community was He-Man. Okay. Because I was I was obsessed with He-Man. Um, you know, and it was just this, this thing that just came out and like Oh, which He-Man though? Are we talking the eighties OG or the nineties revival? The I mean, the original eighties one, because again, oh. this was this was in the eighties, right? I was I was living in India in you know, I was like four, so you know, that's eighty nine. Uh and and yeah, so so, I mean, the Dungeons and Dragons cartoon, I mean, I was consuming all of it, but not intentionally, right? Like, I didn't want to watch, like, normal stuff. And then there's things like Sesame Street, which were fine, because they were also in their own way fantastical. But the things that I was, like, really psyched to watch were these kind of uh, uh, space <laughs> operas and, you know, I gotta find out here, though. adjacent things. How much influence um, did your family have with that, though? Because in my household, you say, when I was a kid, I remember at Puerto Rico, four years old, right. it was my grandma putting me in front of, you know, the TV to watch Mazinger Z. Or um, Mazinger Zeta. So, right, <laughs> right. Um, and I'm, by the way, I, I'm so glad you brought up the, uh, the, the, the Japanese stuff. Because, again, living so close to Japan, it wasn't just the Western influence. We're also getting everything uh, from nice. Japanese culture, a lot of the times though it wasn't in English. It was in it was dubbed in Mandarin or Cantonese, so I didn't always know what was being said. Um, <laughs> but it's still you know it's still influencing you because I was like trying to figure out what Dragon Ball is about, and I remember spending years uh, at one point I even wanted to learn how to speak Japanese to because I, I <laughs> someone handed me a Dragon Ball trading card, and I was like I want to know what this says, so I'm going to go try to learn Japanese. But again, you're very young, so. Um, did you ever learn? Did my family? No, no, I, okay. I did not. Uh, <laughs> uh, one, one of the many, well, yeah. Um, you asked how big of an influence was the family on this? Uh, none at all. So none at all, right? Like this kind of thing, this, I, I don't know what the word is. And someone, to, to, someone other than me needs to do create terminology that defines it saying nerd is reductive geek culture is reductive at this point it's just culture right it's just just culture it's, it is it's disseminated and when you go to like people in their 20s like I, was, I, I i i was driving around yesterday and i saw a bunch of like teenagers reading reading manga like you know, it's 
This, this to see like them reading thing. was great, though. I'm pretty sure. Right, seeing them read, exactly. They were on the screen, yeah. <laughs> well, that social dynamic is kind of interesting based upon the fact that, you know, automatically the stereotype is Western culture, and that's how you're exposed. And then you live right. here, and kids are out playing Batman, Superman. But now, um, from 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 that other dynamic, from a Japan, an India, um, that's – and then coming to America, how did that, how did that strike you as, okay, so – I'm looking at, you know, these dubbed versions in different countries. I'm exposed to it. Then you come to America and it's like now it's in everybody's face. It's on advertising. It's everywhere. I mean, was that a bombardment of the senses or was it just a natural progression? Now, you, now, now you can get it more accessibly. So maybe I'm misunderstanding your question uh, or, 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 or the, the point you're making. But I feel like when you, when you dial the clock back to the 90s, you know, you have guys like Todd McFarlane, Mark Silvestri, Bob Liefeld, that, that entire image group that were, it's not that they were, it's not just that they were mainstreaming the comic book movement and Jim Lee, of course, uh, because now, you know, X-Men 1 is selling like north of 8 million copies, which is insane. Uh, X-Men 1, the comic book. But I also feel like nerd culture was becoming cool in a paradigm that, that hadn't existed before. But it was still not being bombarded at you at the scale it is today. Um, it was like, you know, like I, I remember when I remember seeing. Uh, Pizza Hut commercials for X-Men. Remember, like, X-Men did some tie-up with Pizza Hut. And I saw this, someone showed me this Pizza Hut commercial. And to me, that wasn't an advertisement. To me, that was amazing. And, and, you know, you had, like, kids, like, getting Cyclops' optic blast and stuff like that. So um, if if I could play a clip of that, that would be great. Otherwise, people (laughs) have no idea what I'm saying. Um, But it didn't feel like the at that point in time. At that juncture in history, nerd content, again, that's the best way to say it, nerd content was not as prevalent and ubiquitous as it is today. So as a result, you were generally, I was genuinely excited at any point in time where it kind of flowed from one uh, ecosystem to another. If you could experience it outside the context of the TV show that you watch. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that context is, is interesting because you don't often hear it. Um, um, once again, it always seems like uh, it's a Western based thing. And now when we talk to people globally, it doesn't matter. It's just how tuned in they are. It's, it is a culture and uh, there's a commonality now. It's kind of neat versus, you know, yeah, going back 20 years or so. That's interesting. And, and, totally. And, you know, uh, um, and and I struggled originally, you know, speaking off the cuff, because you said, hey, when did you get exposed to fandom, right? Yes. It, which is a great question, which is a great, 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 amazing question. <laughs> However, how do you define fandom? Right? Because uh, as an example, like, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, Ninja Turtles in its heyday was the biggest property on the planet? Oh hell yeah! That was mm-hmm. the year my brother was born. That those you know that those mid eighties, and he had me, his big brother. When he couldn't work, mom to get the toys. You know, I was getting them for him. Which figure, right. bro? Jesus Christ! Stop harassing me already. Mm-hmm. It was the so Ninja Turtles, biggest thing on the planet, like like far none, right? Um, it's not like Ninja Turtles today, or even back then, had a fandom in the way we associate fandom today it was just this like thing that blew up much like he-man was this thing that blew up or gi joe was this thing that blew up it wasn't like you had um a red thread or 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 people deep diving into it i'm sure people did it kind of on their own accord but um what's interesting is when you pivot over into the proliferation of comic universes i'm not just meaning in the cinematic sense but even in the in the literary sense 
it feels like fandom in that vertical is just so different and deep because there's actual like lore around it versus like Ninja Turtles. There's iconography. Sure. Uh, there's cultural touchstones. Absolutely. Um, and there's recognizability on a global scale, much like, you know, Mickey Mouse. Totally. There isn't a deep, rich lore um, to it. And I think there that created almost, oh, at least in my mind, there's like a delineation between like kind of post pre and post lore nerd culture. In the, <laughs> in the western sense of it in the western sense of it right because obviously it. when you go to japan like it, it all has rich lore but i think also some of that comes from again i'm just speaking out loud thinking out loud i think part of it comes from like some of these things that became cultural phenomenons within the geek context they weren't these intricately fleshed out stories that were uh, imprinted from the soul of the creator. It was like just a random toy line that blew up. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's right. interesting. Cause I, I mean, I kind of, that throwback to me was like Star Trek, Starcon when you had the Starcon. Starcon. <laughs> oh and God. that was like the, the cons you go to those and then they had the comic books, they had the toys and then, but it was centered around that, fandom of of uh of- absolutely 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 like it's absolutely it's like the the um it's almost like you had two different amoebas here or, or two different ecosystems one was just like you know cool flashy toys and and and, and things that that people gravitate towards and you had like these like rich deep experiences where, where which are almost like religious experiences in star trek star wars and that kind of thing and this started emulating that and it blew up i mean yeah cause now because now everyone every brand really wants it expires to have this every brand aspires to have like a uh a hyper deep Rolodex of characters and settings and themes that uh, will engage multiple generations of an audience. Well, yeah. That longevity. Yeah. Yeah. Let's get into that because you have this project out right now, right? And and it has a great little, the, the, the guardians. It's not, it's not out right now. I mean, not out, but but I, I've got it. I've gotten a, a nice look at it, and it looks like you're creating a universe here in and of itself, uh, and, and also kind of having some fun with the with the culture, if you will. I mean, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say it's a universe. Um, you know, I feel like, and I'm I'm totally hijacking what you, your compliment because because really what you're doing is you're teeing up a question and a compliment, and I'm hijacking it. I apologize no 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 you do what you do because um, again but, you're the creator behind but, this so educate me on your feelings because for me i see but, it as a universe know, why because i see an expansive uh amount of characters there i i see names now i get curious about each individual are we uh you know and obviously for what i saw we're not getting uh a deep insight into all of them but it's something that w- that definitely piqued my interest and i and i had fun watching this i found myself smiling a few times and you have some heavy hitters in here too, so I'm just curious, you know, about the process, the film, and go ahead, explain to me why it's not a universe. <laughs> it's, it's just, it's not, it's just not a universe. It's, it's just simply not a universe. And I, and I, and I say that because whenever you, you know anything. So when anyone makes anything and it's authentic, right? (laughs) 
there's a part of it that is, of course, a university because you're because you're peering into the, the 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 soul of the people that made it. And again, with this this project you're referencing, the Guardians of Justice, like there's a entire team of people who worked for years uh, with me to to bring this to fruition. So, you know, I think I, th- I think in that context, you can look at anything that that is personal as a universe right like um i mean every tarantino movie for instance is its own universe to the extent that like none of the characters feel generic they're all you know you're like oh i'm interested in that guy oh i could see a spin off that you know mm-hmm. that character um but i think where we get into trouble sometimes when you talk about it in in the in the sci-fi context especially in comic context um after marvel after the success of marvel it's become this 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 almost weird marketing ploy where um you know creating a it's like oh this is a new universe oh god it's like a whole thing and it's like at a certain point that stuff just becomes productive and it ends up diluting the essence of of what it is, right? Because at the end of the day, like people aren't showing up to watch something or consume something because it's a new universe. They're showing up to con- consume a story. And if that story is engaging, hopefully it leads to another story. Will it? And, is will it going to lead that, to another one? I yeah, mean, because it says engaging. it's a series. It says it's a series. You know, I mean, are you going to expand upon it? Is this a one shot? Is this. Uh, you know, I mean, there's something to be said uh, to leave an audience hanging ambiguously. I mean, uh, you do a project, <laughs> you don't need to keep going on for 20 years. But I mean, what's the end game? <laughs> I love that. Boy, he's deep in thought, I don't, boy. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't really operate that way. Okay. I, I don't really operate that way in terms of in terms of an end game, right? Like, uh, so I look, I, I can take back to that, the, the, the Punisher short. As an example, right? So that was uh, that we, we dropped that in 2012. Uh, in 2013, we were like, "Hey, let's do another one. Let's turn this into a into a series. Let's pitch this to I don't know someone. Let's, let's do a sequel. Let's make a movie." And looking back, like I feel like had we done that that would have really diluted it. It would have diluted it. Because it would have gone from being scarce and special to all of a something like a business model. Okay. I see. And I'm, I'm, I'm like, I, I, I'm, I'm so averse to business models around things. You know, <laughs> uh, I remember when we were making the Power Rangers short. Uh, so when we were filming, Someone came up to me and asked me, like, hey, what it was like a agent or something. Uh, and he was like, he's like, Addy, what's your business model? And I'm like, I don't have a business model. And I never want to have a business model. Like, you know, like I, I feel like that is um nothing wrong with having people who are into into that and want to be business magnates and have business models and operate in that in that way. But you know, there's an element where, like, you have such little control over the elements in your life, and uh, the universe has has a plan for you. As much as you want to, you know, and I think, at least I feel, like, if you're sitting around trying to plan ahead and 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 really map out the next 10, 20 years of your life, and I'm going to work on this, and then I'm going to work on that, and then I'm going to do this, like, you are cheating yourself miracles mm. you know that's that is an interesting concept because even if you create a 10 minute short something it gets out there people see it there is always that automatic response of well you can expand on that are you going to do more of those and it's kind of like well i kind of want to do this over here i kind of want to do that over there do i need to circle back to this if it did its own thing um uh but for some reason i think there is there is some kind of programming out there that is kind of pushing people to do that. 
they, they do the, their one 10 minute project. And then all of a sudden there's this idea, oh, well, now it'll be a web series and we're going to keep it going. And it's like, well, interesting, but do you really need to go that route? Or is that creating fandom? Is that creating a following or is a body of work creating a following? Mm. Right. Um, exactly. Hundred, dude, you, you, you said that so much more eloquently <laughs> than, <you>. I, than <laughs> I could be, you, you, you you basically yoded me right there, which I fucking love. Thank you. Thank you for that. Bet. Uh, but it's exactly that, right? Like, you know, um, with that online anthology series of fan films that, that we were doing, that I was, that I was doing back in the day. Well, it still might be doing, I don't know. Um, you know, followed up uh, The Punisher, which was a kind of gritty Western, or in a kind of urban Western straight take on the Punisher with a black and white period mock doc <laughs> that at the end reveals that the character was Venom. This is really cool. Yeah. Polar, <laughs> polar opposite, right? And it's like Do you that like do you do that up. purposely? Do you do that purposely to, to kind of challenge yourself in, in, in the creative process? So I think there's two warring voices in me, right? There's an <laughs> okay. inner fascist. There, there, on one end, there's an inner fascist that's constantly telling me that I'm fucked up and that I should like stick to a very concrete business model and keep replicating it and kind of grind in like, oh, you know, so you have uh, a voice in you that says, Oh yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. The no, dreaded no. BM words. Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. That voice is there. So when, when someone in, in, in real life walks up to me as a, uh, as a physical manifestation of that voice, that's my reaction. Like, whoa, whoa, get away from me. Um, it's like, it's like, it's like that voice calling up, you know, it's like in a horror movie where all of a sudden, like, uh, like the, the, like, like the ghosts are speaking through someone driving in the car next to you. Right. (laughs) Right. Exactly. Um, so, you know, there, there is that voice and, and it's interesting because I, I, give that voice a voice. I, I entertain that voice for sure. But then when I visualize my future living along that path, along that path of um, replicating what came before, seeing what, what was a hit and saying, oh, let's do more of this in the exact same way um, and reverse engineering why, why, why it worked when I draw to its logical conclusion and I visualize myself and my soul in that, in that paradigm, I'm unhappy. I I just get very sad. Life feels, um, unspectacular. It feels highly controlled. Um, and it feels like I have closed myself off to, the wide spectrum of possibilities in favor of something uh, that's a bird in hand, like a, like a, like a sure thing. That's interesting. We all, we all know that there's no such thing as a sure thing in this life. Why am I doing that? Exactly. And, and, you know, that brings up another interesting, maybe, uh, you know, a pondering question artistically of is um, how, how I'm not going to say young filmmakers, I'll say young are new movie makers, the idea of saying, well, maybe if I do a fan film of some kind, because it's already juiced into a market, see, see how it's already sounding like a business plan um, and certain yeah. aspects rather than art. It's like, and if I grab onto these certain aspects and maybe if I get a million hits on YouTube and maybe it's like, well, and the question I'm posing to you is, is really how logical is it? to pour in your heart, soul, energy, time, money, resources to do that so that you don't feel like you're in a box. How easy is it to do that? Yeah. I mean, it seems like some people are, are, are 
getting to steer to that concept, that business plan. And it's like, well, why do you have to do that? Do something new, do something original, have fun. Don't implement a marketing plan or a, a commercial structure to what you're doing. Create the art. I mean, do you think nowadays, is that what we're falling into just automatically? Is that what people are being programmed for artistically? I mean, that's that's not shooting from the hip. That is taking a strong aim, focusing, and then firing a shot. I mean, am I making sense here? Well, you are. You are. I, I feel like I feel like there's many, many, many layers to what you just said, right? Because on on, on one hand, it's perfectly natural to be inspired by something, uh, to grow up consuming it, to have have it influence you, maybe even program you, and then find out that it's a node of a vast and varied culture. And then aspire to influence that culture the way that the culture influenced you. I don't think that that is strange in any way. I think that's perfectly normal. It's perfectly natural. And uh, if you want to use the the L word, it's perfectly logical to 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 want to to want to do that. Um. Are we being programmed to do that? Well, you know, I think that that's an interesting philosophical uh, debate about what is programming? Like, how are we being programmed? <laughs> and what is the incentive structure behind programming? Right? Because here's how I look at it. If you go back like 50 years ago, 100 years ago, 50 years ago to 100 years ago, like filmmaking was pretty much one thing on a very linear path. And it evolved, right? We get, uh, all of a sudden we get, we get, we get sound. Causes a paradigm shift. All of a sudden we get color. Causes a paradigm shift. All of a sudden, um, uh, new genres are created. Paradigm shift. Hitchcock. We get digital from film to digital. All, All causes a paradigm shift, but filmmaking for most of its history was on a linear path and sure you got independent movies um things like steven soderbergh's sex and videotapes and uh you know reservoir dogs from from quentin tarantino and 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 just a slew of of groundbreaking uh filmmaking from groundbreaking filmmakers but again it was still on a linear path because the groundbreaking films and these groundbreaking uh independent filmmakers were remixing what came before it. They were, they were using the tools of their day uh, and, and they were using their influences and spitting out something that felt different while existing within the construct of the genres that came before them. Right? Uh, an yep. example, Reservoir Dogs and, and Pulp Fiction they're they're ultimately crime movies. Yes, Just told differently. Um, what we are seeing now, because of the advent of digital technology, digital distribution, computer generated effects, which have taken filmmaking and allowed it to be done differently have taken the process of making a film and allowed experimentation, have allowed the process to, again, happen very differently. We are having, we are seeing a divergence in what filmmaking is. I want to ask you here then, because you're talking about filmmaking and Lance, you know, he uses actual film to do his projects. Yes. Um, have yeah, you used yeah. actual film in your any of your projects, or are you a digital only type of uh, director? Uh, I mean, I, I I feel like it would be uh, it, it would pass the 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 basic humility if I call it my my project, but the first the first uh, feature length film I was uh, involved in was shot on film. That's how long ago. Uh, yeah. I <laughs> broke into this very young. Mm. Broke into this very it. young, right? So it was like 20, 23. 
Um, <laughs> but yeah, that was that was shot on film. Um, but uh, I feel like I meandered on that last point. I just kind of talked in circles. But you know, to answer your to to I'm gonna stop talking. I'm I'm dominating this conversation. <laughs> I'm not doing the the good back and forth thing that I, that a no, noble no. citizen does. Um, it's all right, brother. But again, it's again, but we're seeing a difference. But we're seeing so for sure. We're seeing like a divergence in what film is that extends far beyond like the construct of hey, this is, is digital it and this is. Is it a positive I, thing though? I, I don't think there is something as positive and negative. These are just kind of realities of um, a constantly evolving medium, constantly evolving art form. And the constantly, uh, uh, the constantly divergent nature of reality, and you know these are just tools that are now available, and like any tool, it's a function of how they're used. The tools themselves are neither good nor bad. Gotcha. Tell the story. <laughs> Tell a story. Exactly. You know? And one hell of a story in Guardians. Like, what else are you doing, Addy? Because you got some stuff, man. This Guardians story was fun. Um, let me not insult you with the universe idea, but I would definitely love to see this see more of it. <laughs> but is there any other things that you're doing as well that you're working on? Yeah. Ooh. Ooh, yeah, ooh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is it within that range of, of, of the superhero? Are you going to diversify your content and maybe do slice of life stuff or some horror or what? What's popping? Well, I feel like, you know, slice of life stuff and, and, and horror, I mean, they're not mutually exclusive from one another nor the, nor the superhero thing. I know life is horror. I know, brother. Come on now. I live life every day. (laughs) I'd be in some shit, brother. You don't even know. You can make a movie about me. It'll be horrific and wonderful at the same time. (laughs) Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, All I want to know is, look at my mess of hair. I need need to have hair like you, Addy. I'm sure there are curious people here, too. What what do you use, man, to keep your hair so tight like that, bro? I mean, and, and even Lance, look at him. Yeah, bro. <laughs> I don't this know. Is, I'm, I... This, this is native hair. This just does its own thing. That's his native hair. That's <laughs> his excuse. He's Native American hair, and he's done. How about you, Addy? You don't die. Lance, stuff, you're native, you? Lance, you're, you're Native American? I am. Yeah, yes. well, he's indigenous. Wow. Look at him. And he's um, an award-winning filmmaker working on film. You know, don't let don't let his look at his camera behind him. I love it when he'd be showing that behind him. Look at that awesome camera behind him, yo. What type of equipment do you use, Addy? What was like the first piece of equipment you ever picked up and learned to use? He's wow, that's an amazing boy. question. That is an that's amazing question. That's a rewind and a half. Uh, I see your eyes going crazy yeah. like a VCR numbers. <laughs> It's kind of funny. I borrowed, I borrowed like an, oh, this is it. Um, my school set up uh, like a like a video technology program. Uh, so my school in Hong Kong set up oh, a, nice. a video technology program. Yeah. So it was uh, it was one of those like Sony digital cameras. All righty. That was your first time holding that cam. And how did you feel when you held that? And create great, and I project. made a and I made a music video for uh, Rage Against the Machine. Uh, what song was it? Testify. Are you a Rage fan? You a Rage fan? Yeah, yeah. Empire, yeah, you are like a, yeah, another guest that I have found that are total ragers. So yeah, bro, I love it. That's the only band that I regret not seeing live. And he's got a video. I mean, uh, yeah, bro, look at him. He's making me jealous right now. Have you seen them yeah. live, Eddie? I've seen like four bands live. Was Rage one of them? No. Okay, good. All right. Okay, I want to Park that, Live. I Park Live. I saw them. So, you know. I saw them yeah. on the reanimation tour. 
when they were oh, with, wow. with P.O.D. Yeah. and Story of the yeah. Year and all those other cats. Uh, I'm a metalhead myself. I'm a Metallica head. I seen System of a Down twice, you know, Slipknot twice, Stone Sour. I'm I'm all, all about it. And you know what's funny? I seen your pictures. It looks like you're a kiss. A, a kiss well, fan. yeah, we didn't touch on that. Yeah, and, 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 <laughs> and David Howard from my team just recently saw you know their show up over there in California that he he came out like alive. He felt he felt alive once again. Have you seen Kiss yet? And who's your favorite member? Not like we don't know already based on who you dress like. But. I'm not a Kiss fan. <laughs> you're not? No, you do the makeup. No. Say word. It's cool makeup. No, that that makeup comes more from the realm of, of uh, professional wrestling than it does from Kiss. Oh, and let's talk about professional wrestling. Sting. Yeah. No, not no, yo, dude. It's not that. Homie was a fan of Diamond Dallas Page. He kind of cited him as one of his, you know, joys for energy. And then you work with him. Dallas is one of my best friends. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Bro, h- how did you hook up with Diamond Dallas, bro? Um, great question. A mutual friend who is a rock and roll photographer from back in the day, like, uh, you know, rolled with Motley Crue and and whatnot. Say Um, word. Uh, he invited me to a, uh, again, you know, I broke into this when I was super young. So I I think I was like 23, (laughs) 24. He invited me to a party he was having. Um, And, you know, it was, it was a Hollywood thing. So there's a lot of, like, kind of Hollywood people running around. And I don't care because I'm like, whatever. Uh, but then DDP was there. And I was like, no way. That's amazing. Uh, <laughs> How are like, these actors, yo? That's DDP, yeah. son. Yeah, yeah. And I was, like, scared to talk to to uh, to, to, to DDP. Like, I, I remember, like, having absolute, like, no, like, you know, whatever. I mean, I, um, what's it? Sam Worthington was there. And he was literally just coming off of Avatar, right? So at this point, he's like, Tom Lincoln's like one of the biggest stars in the world at this point. I have like absolute no, you know, no reservation, no <laughs> emotional. Like I'm not, I'm just like, whatever. Uh, nice, very nice guy. Great, you know. Um, but I TDP, it. I was like, I was like, no, no, I can't. <laughs> Yo, it's so funny who we're attracted <laughs> yeah, then, uh, to, right? In fandom, I love right. it. To- totally, totally. So then like, I think a month goes by and uh, this, this, this dude, Barry, very very with being the the rock and roll photographer uh i ended up in his in his house and he then he just randomly asked me he's like hey do you, do you know ddp i'm like no and he's like well he was at the party i, I came did, did you not meet him there? i was like no no i was too scared to talk to him he's like <laughs> scared to talk to him? fuck out of here and he picks up his phone and he called called ddp no then, he didn't yeah and then then he's like GDP talked to this 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 guy, uh, and then GDP was like, "Bro, let's get to get up for lunch." And I'm like, uh, "Okay." And he lived in LA at that point, so okay. Um, so I think it was like a week later. I went over to because he's living in Marina del Rey, so I was like, "All right, I'll, I'll go over and meet you for lunch, dude." Hell yeah, that's awesome. Um, but I'd had like the worst meeting I'd ever had in the history of <laughs> my life that morning. Cause this, it was, it was like, there was like a dude who's been like, like a complete fucking asshole to me. Like just complete oh, fucking, it was, it was terrible. It was terrible. Um, that, that gentleman has passed away and has been, uh, kind of reviled. I, I think, you know, like a lot of stories have come out about this guy. So it's not, it, it wasn't an isolated experience. Let me put it that way. On this and thing, I may, may, like, may, may he burn in the hell happily. And that's what he's talking yeah. <laughs> So, so, you know, I, I was almost going to like cancel on Dallas. I was, was going to be like, look, dude, I'm just not in a good But I was like, okay, I'm just going to drive over. So I drive over. Uh, we hang out and he just completely, he spent the whole day cheering me up. He literally what? spent the whole day cheering me up. Yeah. And then, nice. um, and then he was like, hey, man, you want to see my world heavyweight title? I'm like, yeah. And then he like showed me the WCW belt. Don't tell and me then, he pulled that shit out of his trunk. Right. Where did he have it? Uh, <laughs> and, then, his car. and then he was like, he was like, hey, man, work on this yoga thing. This is before, you know, his, his yoga business blew up. He's like, hey, man, you want to you wanna work out and do my yoga thing? I was like, no, but I'll watch you. So then, uh, so then you know. He said, no, but I'll watch. <laughs> I'll watch you do it. I don't care. Uh, and then, but yeah, then we stayed friends. Like, we would watch movies all the time. 
Um, Say what? He became your movie partner. Then, That's too funny. Yeah, like, you know, a lot. Of, I didn't have anyone to watch movies with. Also, also here's the thing: I'm not like a. I'm not like an, you know. Once you take the makeup off, I'm not an intimidating guy. Yeah. When I take the face paint off, I'm not an intimidating dude. So, <laughs> it's one of the reasons I don't watch movies in theaters. Because there's always someone talking or doing something, and I don't want to be that guy who's like, "Hey, can you please keep it down?" Because then you shut like, the f up. And yeah. then someone's so like, right them. <laughs> you know, and someone's like, "Well, what are you going to do about it?" And then I'm like, "All right, you don't want to, you know, engage the situation." But if you go and watch a movie, this is a pro tip. If you go and watch a movie with someone who's very large, all they have to do is turn and look, and then everyone's quiet. Oh really? So yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it's why, like yeah, yo, Lance. That's why Bud goes to see movies with Joe Saint Pierre. Now, yeah, I, see, right, now yeah. I see his. Now I see his secret. Yeah, but my boy so, Bud from so, Undercover Capes does the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> so I would routinely go and see movies with Dallas for that very reason. No one would talk when we would, you know, because Dallas is a very big guy. Uh, it's very, very amazing, amazing human. Does a lot for other people. Very nice. Also very big and very large. So, so uh, you know, oh. just by the sheer by the sheer volume of the man, he's he's intimidating. Um, so yeah, we you know we we've just been friends ever since. So this has been a a, uh, a, a decade plus wow. friendship. A decade plus friendship. Yeah. And, and, and talk about all the other awesome people you have in Garden, like Denise Richards, right? Who else, Lance? Because you Bridget, got that. I saw list. Bridget Nielsen and Jane Seymour. Hey, bro, how that's you, how'd you get to work? With you? <laughs> Hell yes, son. I mean, that's nice. I was like, that's. I was looking at that. I was that Jane Seymour, so I rewatched it. <laughs> and I was like, that's Jane Seymour. Okay, that's cool. Let's check the credits on that. That is Jane Seymour. Wow. You know, that's that's fun stuff, you know, and the retro aspect of it is is yeah, very amazing. fun, you know, going back to the 80s and and, and having that really cool vibe uh, uh, music wise, even there, it sounded like a little bit of John Carpenter in there. Right? Uh-huh. You know, it had that really great uh, overall Watchmen feel, but of its own thing, it's like fun, it's fun, exactly mm-hmm. fun. The key word, Addy. It's fun. You made something fun that we could enjoy. I know I asked you about the universe. Hey, that's not what you're doing, and this is what it is. Let me tell you, I'm happy with it. It's like it's fun, and it just opens up the world of possibilities. Now, if somebody wanted to do, let's say, for example, a comic project on this, would that is that something that's open to an idea? I I don't you know look. It's not out yet. It's not. It's not out yet. You know, I, I don't want to jump a gun on 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 anything. Um, of course, because people don't know what the so yeah, listen. Kinda, I know. I know we're people teasing. People don't know what this is. It's you're, fine. You're doing an That's amazing job of, of teasing. Um, <laughs> it's amazing. I love it. I'm not going to give out the house, but that's up to you to do and let you stumble, yeah. not me, because I'm not going to get spanked by your agents. <laughs> I love it though. Um, but um, shout out to them, Talon and everyone. Yeah, uh, but uh, but yeah, Matt. Like you know, um, but I guess how did we get on this makeup? I'm not a Kiss fan. I'm not not a Kiss fan. I'm not like anti Kiss. Um, yes. <laughs> but but uh, but I feel like the makeup came more from Sting and Ultimate Warrior and the Legion of Doom. AKA oh, the God, oh, bro, and we lost. That that, they're, they're gone, right? Well, half of them are animal. Was it animal or hawk that passed? Hawk. Recently? I think I believe hawk passed. Yo, bro. I mean, I'm a I'm a, I'm a Mad Max fan. Oh wait, no, I, I think when they came wait, out. Whoa, 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 was whoa. it animal? I think I think I think both hawk and animal passed at this point. Oh my God! Wait a minute. I, that's it, bro. Oh my God. Oh wow. Oh, we don't road warriors Oh man. Uh, any other road warriors? Man, we're going back. I no, mean, they're both gone. That—that's the crazy thing, man. I don't feel like we're going back. I mean, if you look at like Bob Dylan, that's going back, and Bob Dylan's still alive, right? Shares going back. Shares still alive. Like the Road Warriors, that wasn't that long ago. So the fact that like you know the Road Warriors, Yokozuna, like I mean the list of uh, Roddy Piper, they, that this isn't uh, really going bro. back, like. 
These guys Roddy. should all be alive. And That's I, I saw Roddy Piper a month before he passed, like at a at a convention in the Northeast when I lived up there. And you know, yeah. he, he looked slim but happy and energized. Then a month later we lose him. What uh, obviously then I could see you're a wrestling fan. <laughs> so so who's your well, go to, man? Senior, What's your era? I mean, What's your era? I mean, I I I don't know if I'm a wrestling fan in, in the most kind of literal uh but well, you enjoy word. the characters, um, bro. I mean, I enjoy the my Road yeah, Warriors, yeah, my sure. Sting, my Stone Colds. You know what I mean? My Hulk Hogan's and Ultimate Warriors. I mean, the only one that's alive there is Hulk Hogan that I mentioned. <laughs> Jeez. Um, you know, I feel like. I mean, I wrote my senior thesis in college on wrestling. Oh, uh, <laughs> good so 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 my interest in professional wrestling is is in a lot of ways very academic. Gotcha. It's gotcha. Ap- academic because uh, I feel like it is a, you know, as, as humans, we are uh, programmed. Uh, again, going back to programming, let's bring this conversation full circle. We're, we're, we're programmed AI, to interact. We're programmed to interact in, in in rigid, codified ways, and wrestling exists outside of the social constructs. And in a way, is the most authentic representation of the human experience. Oh, damn! I, I won't deny that. I mean, I, I'm, uh, you know, I, I was influenced by going like to All Star Wrestling. We're going back like seventies, eighties. Uh, All Star, goddamn! I'm, I'm a little older, <laughs> and you know, we're talking, you know, the Claw, the Crusher, Rock oh, and Roll shit. Buck Zuma. Uh, I mean, back in the days <laughs> when little tiny singlets and it was physical. So how you communicate as a kid then was we go in the front yard and pile drive each other, you know, um, uh, pre helmets and padding, like, you know, kids today. No wonder but, we got problems. <laughs> well, you know, we survived. That's the seventies and eighties. And I could see how, how it does break down the constructs. I mean, you, you know, kids are different than adults, whatever. But if you have that commonality, you strike up a conversation, you strike up a conversation. Next thing you know, you're pile driving each other. I mean, it was fun. You know, I don't know if that even happens. Today. Well, I mean, okay, but, but let's recontextualize that for a second. If I, and I apologize if I'm going full academic on, 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 on everyone here, but uh, what you just said, right? Kids playing wrestler. That's not too dissimilar from kids playing cowboy. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. And ultimately, if you look at the DNA of what professional wrestling is, sure, it's theater. But from a story structure perspective, they're just Westerns. They're, 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 they're meditations on the pursuit of justice. I, someone has wronged me, and how am I going to seek retribution? Yep, in the most grand way. It was great. I mean, it, it was it was fun, and even being exposed to it, going to the stadiums. I mean, stadiums they were filling even back in the late eighties, and seeing Hulk Hogan, Mister Fuji, and Roddy Roddy Piper, and Mr. the list goes Fuji. on. Uh, Jimmy Superfly Snuka. You know, actually seeing your heroes live is a different shift in in reality it's kind of like okay now the theater is for me right here because i bought this ticket and i see him doing it live right and there's um there's something about kind of you know spider-man's cool wolverine's cool but seeing a real you know the macho man is a real person or what's real you know it the macho man exists like you can right you can theoretically meet the macho man Right, yeah. You that know, definitely creates a different um, interactivity with. This was popping. That that reality that reality is is it's, it's it can be ground shaking. Like seeing Lou Ferrigno in 1982 when he was still the Hulk, you know, and I get to see a yeah. physical being that is the Hulk, not CGI. You know, it's not recreated. Well, you you see him and you're thinking, man, I gotta do some push-ups. This guy's amazing. Bro, I saw Lou Ferrino in twenty eighteen. Somebody took a picture of him and they didn't ask. Would you believe that Lou Ferrino told the person he was talking to, 
I'll be right back. He goes up to the person that took the picture and says, did you take a picture of me? Yeah. Show me. You show the picture. Delete it now. The dude deleted it. But he made me laugh because I saw it. I witnessed it. I said, what happened? He told me the story. He goes, but little does Lou know I have a cloud. <laughs> so it's already on the cloud, so no problem. I'll delete it. But, bro, that was in 2019. Lou is still a very big man. <laughs> bro, he's, he's the still the Hulk. He's, he's still the man. Yeah, I, I want to see him in an Addy movie painted in green and you know, bu- busting some heads. That's what I want to see. <laughs> Addy, bro, come on, bro. What what, what else are we doing? Because you're talented, brother. You you brought us so much awesome stuff. I can't wait to see what else you're gonna do. You know, I can't wait to people lay their eyes on this. I know in you and about the um, universes, but I think people are gonna be clamoring for a lot more once they get their eyes on this bad boy. For real, hmm. they're gonna they're gonna ask you for it. Now, whether you want to deny the public, that's you. <laughs> but, yo, you know, I just want to thank you for your creativity and awesomeness. You've done something that, that I actually enjoy. Put a smile on my face. I, I had a good time peeping it. And, of course, you know, left my imagine open, imagination open to so many ideas for the future of it. So, you know, thank, thank you for being so creative, yeah. sharing yeah. in your creativity. Like, you know, you, you're one of those few people. That's why there's not many people like you out there in the world, you know. Not, not everyone wants to step up. And sharing their creativity and put themselves out there. And those the people like you and Lance, y'all really are rare people. So bless the both of you in, in, in your journey and what you do. So, Addy, is there any last words you want to share with our listening public in regards to your journey? No, no. I, uh, you know, I, I maybe I could share that I have a Morty, like a Morty from Rick and Morty iPhone. You know, oh. Okay. <laughs> I love it. That's my joint, yeah. bro. I just yeah, and I blew my team's mind the other day when I said, "Hey, did you guys know that Rick from Rick and Morty is Latino?" They're like, "No, it's a play on words." I'm like, "No, the creator said he's Latino. He just happens to be a light skinned one." I've <laughs> <laughs> heard that before. <laughs> you know, he just happened to be a light skinned one. Don't worry about it. But I, I was very happy. So, oh, and that's another thing I want to mention before we go. So, I know that you did something back in 2018, and, and you kind of woke some people up. He's like, oh, what are we going to talk about? Oh, what did Apu, I do? The Apu problem. Talk oh, yeah. about that and how, you know, I haven't seen Apu anymore. So, what's popping? I mean, why, why did you feel that you needed to kind of bring that up? And and, and are, are you kind of content with not seeing him anymore? How do you feel about it? Well, you know me as a Latino. For me as a uh, as a Puerto Rican, one hundred percent, I don't really like to see people outside of my race kind of talk my language because they don't ever get it right. They always tend to hire a person outside of my country, for example, to speak the language. Right? Guess what? Right. And I'll say it right now. Puerto Ricans talk the most fucked up Spanish in the world. <laughs> we do. But that's what makes us a trade. You know, trademarks are, are how we talk. You know, like I seen commercials for um, Goya. Andale pues. That's Mexican terminology. That's how they talk. Guess who doesn't talk like that? Puerto Ricans, Dominicans, Colombians. We're in South America. You feel me? Uh, representation yeah. is key. And to get it right is key. Um, and if you want to have somebody... You know, voice that. I think that you should, in fact, get someone from within that culture to do the voice properly and do it justice. Which is something I saw with Apu, which it wasn't an Indian person at all, or even Indian American that was voicing it at the time. So it kind of did feel like it was being like, yeah, yeah, making fun of the situation. Totally. What kind of Hank? (laughs) Who did? Gotcha. So, so you know, what made you take that yeah. step forward to say, like, yo, we need to, to rectify this ASAP? What made you have well, the look, balls and courage? Well, look, I, I think just in terms of the inception of the idea, uh, this goes way, 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 way back, right? Like, I remember the first time I actually uh, watched the season and saw Apu, and, 
and then weeks later, someone explained to me that, oh, that that's an Indian guy. And I said, no, that's not. I don't know anyone like that uh, who speaks that way or with that intonation. Ooh. And and I was living in Hong Kong at the time, right? So I then talked to my parents about it, and they were also like, no, this is not an Indian guy. You know, it was, it was kind of confusing. I um, wouldn't say it was like a traumatic, the most traumatic thing ever, but it, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't necessarily pleasant. And then um, I think also this conversation got more heated as a, because you had decades where the only Indian uh, face on television was Abu, right? So, so this, yes. this, this character, which, you know, was what it was, is what it is, became the face of the Indian people, which didn't help uh, the situation. And, you know, years before I even said anything or years before this even became an issue, like I'd made T-shirts. I'd worked with a graphic designer uh, friend of mine uh, to make T-shirts, like bringing to light this issue or at least how I was feeling about it. Right. Which is like, what the hell is with this character? Thank you for sharing that. Um, But, uh, you know, what actually prompted me to say something and do something and help turn it into a thing, uh, which, again, wasn't just me. There were a lot of of people doing it. It was actually Kanye West. Um, Oh, we're Kanye. I was, yeah, I was, I was kind of complaining to him about the whole thing because I said something about it. it Wait, 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 wait a minute. Let me stop you. And right you're, you're complaining and then, to Kanye, you mean? Yeah. Oh uh, man, you know about, West, bro. He's he's one of the he's the best producer out in this era, man. Absolutely, I just say absolutely. That. He's a brilliant yo, guy, ho- genius. Yo, bro, Holy dropped like seven albums, one a month. You know what was it last year? And no one talks about that. Homie produced. You tell me a goddamn producer that could produce seven motherfucking albums in a year. And, and all, and all he, he, have yeah. gems on them. Absolutely, he's he's uh he's he's brilliant. He's brilliant on 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 so many different levels. Um, yeah, yeah. And so I mean, he's reaching so the he, Beatles so, record announced today right. on the Billboard. So anyway, so he asked me the question, and you said, you know, well, what would you what would you do about it? And how would you nice. kind of handle it? And then we and one thing like another, we ended up shooting a video about talking about it which then caused the blow up, the blow up. And really, you know, it wasn't a me thing. It was because he, because Kanye posted this on his uh, Twitter page, this, this oh, video of me talking word. about things. So that, Crazy. so that, that was the, that was really the impetus. So, you know, uh, very Good grateful you, to bro. Kanye. Just the dude. Um, no, thank man. you so much, guys. This was, this was so wonderful. Uh, no, you've been so awesome, bro. Thank you for having me on. And uh, this was a lot of fun. And no, no, I man, will... you rock, Daddy. Yeah, yeah thanks for rock. dropping by. Cool you, stuff. Look yeah, forward you... to more cool stuff. Yeah, bro. Thank you. You, you. You keep being amazing. You keep doing what you do. And I just want to give you your flowers now. Thank you. Thank you for being creative. Thank you, Thank you for putting yourself out there. Thank you for sharing of yourself with the world. You know? And, and look, right here, homies, is a great show. Keep going. Keep going. You know, one of the fans watching. So God bless Thank on the you. journey, brother. Thank you so much, Addy. You fucking Bye. rock. God bless. You Bye. guys rock too. Keep doing what you're doing. All right. Thanks for stopping by. Yeah. Lance, man, that was awesome. Yo, we spoke to the great Adi Shankar, amazing creator, you know, in, as indie as it gets, man, he, he's out there, you know, killing it, just like you, killing it. So before we go, I want to give my flowers to my, my fellow crusader because you're kicking ass everywhere, bro. <laughs> Thank you very so, much. We're trying. Yeah. Just let people know where can they follow you at and keep up to date on everything, you know, that's Lance Lucero Warehouse 9. You'll, you'll, you'll find everything you need to know at uh, warehouse9pro.com. I mean, I'm on Twitter as well. And you'll see all the latest projects, latest trailers, and everything that we're in production with right now. Even, you know, some some nice surprises that are coming down the pipe and yeah, very soon. You guys have no idea. This is an original, like, real filmmaker, not no digi. He's buying these tapes. Yes, folks, tapes. Look it up. Look up the word. T-A-P-E-S. <laughs> He's still using them joints, but creating, like, amazing stuff that will blow your mind. This is talent at its core. 
And I love it that I, that I have him on my team. I'm blessed. So All man, right. Thank I'm you glad to joining. be here. Yeah, but just thank you for hanging out with me and talking to Adi, man. You know, he he's, you know, one of these pioneers of the digital universe right now. And, and he's killing it. So, you know, we still have film. We have digital. We have just amazing creators that we're able to, to, to check out awesome stuff that, again, could take us out. You know, who needs Marvel DC? Go independent because that's where the real business is at. Well, that's I'm what it's Mega. all about. I'm, I'm Al Mega with the one and only Lance Lucero. Please, warehouse number nine. You heard? Check them yep. out. But, of course, I wanted to share this one last time, even though Addy's not here. You know, check out his uh, YouTube, the Bootleg Universe. You guys are going to have a blast. And make sure to check out his Instagram at Bootleg Universe. And with that, you know what to do. The outro says it all. I'm Al Mega, and I'm out. See ya. Thank you for listening to the Commentators Podcast. If you like the content, please subscribe and turn on notifications. Also, please visit ComicCrusaders.com and our extended podcast family over at UndercoverCapes.com. And also, make sure to download the Comic Crusaders app on the Google Play Store today. 